Broadcasting live from Calgary with affiliate offices in Red Deer, Claire's Home, and Stetler, Alberta, you are listening to The Narratives on Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud, and anywhere you can find that RSS feed. Mm-hmm. Thank you for joining us, everyone. Welcome back to The Narratives. Oh, yeah. We are back, and we are about to attack you with some knowledge. Oh, yeah. So, uh, one thing I I keep forgetting to mention is um, right at the very beginning... You guys can uh, follow us up for updates on our Facebook, Twitter. Follow us up for them updates. Follow us up on uh, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Instagram, check Underneath us out. The Narratives Podcast. Any anywhere there, it's all going to be the same. Yep. If you find anyone else named the Narratives Podcast, then yell at them. Yeah, yell them. Up. We well, you know that we're the most famous now. Yeah. There's no way. No one else taking our stats. Yeah. Exactly. And um, you guys can also find the essays online through our Facebook, Twitter. Or by personal request to yeah. either one of our emails. Yeah, we'll send you them, and it's just a little link in the document. If you want to, maybe you want to follow along, or maybe you just want to save the them. Mall. Make sure that we don't, you know, <laughs> lie. You can use them in a, if you're ever doing a school project or anything. You can use these as, we have the sources in the bottom, and you can say this as a proper source as well. But don't just copy-paste it and be like, I did it, here's yeah. my report. That's bad. Or else we're going to trek you uh now who we doing? <laughs> what? Nah. Uh-uh. Now we doing? We doing? I way way. Ooh. Not now, a lot of people know who he is. No, it's really really well, interesting person though. Yeah, he's quite a guy. You there. lured me in. It's like, hey, you want to watch this documentary? And I'm a documentary fan, so I was like, okay. And it was actually quite good. Yeah, it was. He's got tons of documentaries. The coolest thing you can watch his documentaries for free on his YouTube. Yep. You just have to be okay with reading subtitles because they are in Chinese. Which yeah. is fine. Yeah, so if you're wondering where or that the... name comes from, well, there you go. Another Chinese gay. Ladies and gentlemen, part one, emergence. So, you might be wondering, well, Ai Weiwei, who, where was he born? <laughs> who, where was he born? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you guys. He was who, where, born on the 28th of August, 1957 in Beijing, China. Yeah. So is uh, that's it. Thanks for listening. Yes, yeah, it's his personality. That's <laughs> element. Yeah, I, I like to believe that his birth is a not very good mention of his his personality. Oh. <laughs> I like to believe his birth is not very good. No, <laughs> because um, he he faced a lot of things as a child, and you know, you'll learn about them. He and his childhood never really had an, a bearing sense of who he would become in life. Is this overwhelmingly powerful and just a good man we watched the documentary never sorry which was directed and filmed by ellison clayman and it really does an excellent job at displaying his charm right yeah, from the right start from the start yeah. yeah like um i showed it to him and ba- i showed it to eric and we, and were, just, him. we were just sitting there and i was like look at this cool guy and he's like well he's a guy he's sitting there and then all of a sudden he's, there's like a cat walks out on top of this like a bunch of sticks delicately placed together. This one guy's like, no, don't touch it, you'll ruin it. And I was just like, he won't destroy it. And yeah. the cat's just sitting there just fucking like destroying Batting it. at his artwork. Yeah. He's like, don't do it, Kato. And I was yeah. like, Kato, do whatever you want. Yeah. He's got, it's it's nuts. He has um, some 47 cats or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he's got a lot. And a shit ton of dogs too. It's he's just like, see a dog, take a dog. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And you see him all throughout this film, then never sorry. It's an excellent way, uh, excellent documentary. We, we're taking a lot from that, but also another a few other sources in there. I watched a few documentaries about this guy and Absolutely. read up on him. Uh, 
So, who is Ai Weiwei, exactly, other than this guy who lets his cats destroy his artwork? Um, <laughs> well, about. he's basically this huge deal geopolitically and artistically. Ooh, two, two very big words. Yeah, nice. nice words I did. Uh, he's a Chinese... <laughs> you immediately ruined it. Yeah, Ai Weiwei is a Chinese artist, a producer, an architect, and an outspoken activist, despite his many criticisms apparent in his art and films. And he still claims to love China. Uh, sorry, despite his many criticisms, he still claims to love China, the culture, and the appeal of the nation, as opposed to its governance. It's crazy to think that he loves, or at least can love China, though, because of his majority of his early years were spent in a labor camp. Yeah. Because of his father. It's nuts. 1957 China is not good. Mm-mm. If you ever want to Google Maps something, 1957 <laughs> China, China will get you there. Yike. And you'll be like, oh no. Why is there sunflowers everywhere and Mao everywhere? Mao, get out of here. Yeah. I don't like Mao. Yeah, he's not. I hope he dies soon. Time to get kicked out of China for the third time. Woo! Bye, Mao, again. Again. Yeah. Bye, Mao. It's, uh, so, I Wei Wei's story, really, I like to say, begins... I mean, I, I, I like to say, it doesn't matter who... I Wei Wei's story, alright? <laughs> it really would begin with his father, because his father banged his mother, but really... Um, it's because his father was Ai Ching, uh, who was one of the best modern Chinese poets. And the best monkey ball character. He probably was... What? He's not a monkey ball character. <laughs> yeah. Who? Ai Weiwei. Ai Weiwei? You're gonna do the monkey ball song for us? Ai Ai Poo No. <laughs> Forget it. Move on. I, uh, so Ai Ching left for art school in Paris in 1929, which is pretty cool because, um, not a lot of... People went to abroad in the 1929s during yes, you were. Um, the Great Depression and also China. <laughs> also China. Yeah. It was just being China. So he, his father went to study painting in Paris, but originally, uh, originally studied painting and found himself intrigued with poetry, in fact. Hmm. And he returned to China in 1932... I tried to figure out what school he went to, but it never ended up telling us, actually. Like, I went to as many different sources as I could find about his father. And basically, it was like, he went to school in Paris. Okay, what school? He went to school in Paris. <laughs> All right, but where? In Paris. <laughs> I love that school. Yeah, um, yeah so he, he just started doing poetry. And then he returned to China in 1932 and was arrested for opposing uh, Kuomintang, the ruling party at the time. Oh, ho, ho, buddy. Yeah. Then after apparently defending um, a famous Chinese writer, Ding Ling, he was sent to a, a labor camp for re-education through labor with his whole family, by the way. Yeah, that's Ai Weiwei dumb. was just one year old. One? What are you going to do at a labor camp if you're one? His father was sent to uh, clean toilets, essentially. And um, been, uh, later on in his life, Ai Weiwei uh, said that his father's eyesight was really bad because of that, because he, I don't know, they never gave him proper eyewear and something else. He lost an eyeball, something like that. He's got one eye that's good, <laughs> the one that's not, because of toilet scrubbing. Normally when you say lose an eyeball, I imagine like an accident, but for some reason I imagine he just like lost it. Like it was in his pocket and it like fell out. Like, Into the oh, toilet. Shit. I no. lost my eye. So Ai Weiwei grew up in a labor camp for 16 years. Yeah, no thank you. Which is another reason why his early life has little to do with his entire... And he was released when Chairman Mao died! Fuck you, Mao. I'm sorry. Get excited over that. I don't like Mao. Yeah. My every listener in China. <laughs> Bye! <laughs> Thanks for coming. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's oh man. In 1976, the same year, um, the family returned to Beijing. In 1978, he was enrolled in the Beijing Film Academy, where he studied animation. Animation, animation, primarily. Animation. Yes. He was also interested in the stage. Oh uh, yes, yeah, so he was like, "Oh, stage is pretty cool. He's, it's all right." And also, animation. we're better to go to the stage than New York. New York. Yeah. In nineteen eighty-one, he moved to New York among the first generation of Chinese students to study abroad after Mao's tight control. There was some tight control. Yeah, Mao. he he. Nobody was allowed for the the entire um, duration of Chairman Mao. Rain to leave China. <laughs> leave China under any circumstances. So there's no studying abroad, and no people came to China to study abroad. Only 116 Chinese students took the TOEFL. Yeah, the TOEFL is um. So in or 1981, TOEFL. he took the uh, along with only 161 other students in all of China to take the test of English as a foreign language, uh, which allows you to study in America or Canada, essentially mm. more America really. Um, and Britain, I suppose. Uh, Ai Weiwei was among that group. He moved to Pennsylvania at first and studied at the University of Pennsylvania. Then he moved to California and studied at Berkeley, which was cool. And, uh, before he attended, and he studied at Berkeley before he attended Parsons School of Design in New York, finally on a scholarship. Hey, nice. He lost the scholarship after failing an art history exam, which oh. is not surprising considering he probably knew nothing about art history from his previous... Yeah. Although, they probably would have taught it. But They're not very pro-art. Again, his first language wasn't English. He just passed the test. So, I do feel for the guy. I don't think he was out there being like, doink, doink, doink. <laughs> Time to fail my art history. Yeah, he wasn't like yeah. too drunk to write it. He was just like, I don't understand this language and also labor camp. Yeah. <laughs> uh, from 1983 to 1986, he attended the Art Students League of New York. Something. That was after he got kicked out, obviously. Well, he didn't. He lost the scholarship, which meant he didn't really have enough money to pay for school, so he went to Art League. Art League sounds like the worst group of superheroes. Yeah. <laughs> Marker boy. <laughs> oh. Shortly after this, he dropped out of school altogether and took odd jobs. Uh, he was described by other Chinese students at the time of in New York, other Chinese students in New York, uh, not like Chinese students in, in, in China, <laughs> being like, according to my satellite feed, I always a dick. <laughs> no, he was um, described by students at the time as being carefree and free-spirited, which sounds, you know, often. I mean, uh, awesome. <laughs> that sounds quite often. Is it was... your first language, or did you pass this year? I don't know. Often, he was gambling. <laughs> what did you give me that look for? I don't just know. Just go, just go. Often he spent times gambling. Yeah, often he. Sorry, I gotta backtrack. Often to make he this. spent time gambling, primarily he, blackjack. Yeah, he. So to make this make sense, so it doesn't sound like a retard, he was described by other Chinese students at the time as being carefree and free spirited. Often gambling, primarily blackjack. Yeah, he he primarily played blackjack. Where, according to an article from blackjack.com, cited he is still considered to be a top tier professional blackjack player. Holy shit! Yeah. On blackjack.com. That's the, that's the blackjack. I way we described himself later as a young boy who was trying to escape the horrors of his past. Yeah, it was unfortunate. Part two, safe sex, books, and fuck off. In 1988, Ethan Cohen, who was a New York gallerist, uh, displayed Ai Weiwei's first public solo show labeled Old Shoes Safe Sex, in mm. which um, his early influences can be seen. 
one of the more famous pieces from the show was a portrait of a man done with a coat hanger and some sunflower oh. seeds sometimes, uh, material that will show up later as well. The portrait was of Marcel Duchamp, who is a famous French artist. If only I could activate my... Oh. It's on viewing mode. I'm sorry. Dang it! Who's a, a, a famous artist. Um, basically, he was um, a... What's the word? Impressionist? Yeah. He did a, a lot of cool stuff. Uh, Marcel Duchamp. Um, we'll cover him later. You want to just quickly... i got to remember what he did. There's, there's a really famous one that he, he did. I, just, it's blanking on me. I don't have a spell, so um, that's what you get. He did the urinal. Oh, right, the urinal art. Yeah. So basically, a little uh, side quest is always on Marcel. Well, not as always on Marcel Duchamp. <laughs> as always, we're gonna do this game every single uh, time. He um, there's a in the Metropolitan Museum. I think it was that uh, or one of the museums. They were like, "Give us any piece of art with your signature on it." And he's like, "Any piece of art?" And they're like, "Yeah, it's all amazing." So he just hung a urinal upside down, and signed it. He, I think he even signed it in a different name. In China, in a different name, yeah. Well, with the wrong date. Yeah, in a different name. He sent it like Matt. Yeah. And something like that. He handed B-Mott, it to them. B-Mott, 1917. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he signed. <laughs> and they're like, you're a genius, Marcel Duchamp. Like He's like, literally a toilet, but all right. stupid. Uh, you guys are dumb. Anyway, uh, side quest complete. So, uh, I The safe sex bit is actually really funny, because he had this coat, oh, yeah. and he had a hole where Ai Weiwei's penis would fit, and on that hole was a condom, instead of like an... Yeah. So it was just like a rubber on rubber. Gay. Yeah. So it was like, just hanging up on the uh, part of the... And everyone was like, it. wow... Hmm, yes. really makes me think about AIDS. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that ti- that was titled uh, Safe Sex, and uh, it was a, a piece describing AIDS as Ai Weiwei perceived it himself. The coat uh, has a hole, and there's a condom there. You already said that, I'm sorry. So soon after this, he received... <laughs> <laughs> he received his father. He received word that his father's health was declining. Oh. And in 1993, he returned to Beijing. That's not good. Yeah, he noted himself that he visited many of the antique stores and once he returned because he learned little about China's past during the times. There was a... Essentially, Chairman Mao had a saying um, that we can destroy an old world, but we can build a new one. So essentially, they did not teach any history or anything like that. Yeah. Which is kind of unfortunate. But he ended up finding some some places where they had old artifacts and stuff. And he found them very interesting. Um, But then he also used them to... And that whole idea that we just talked about, the destroying past, Mm. to create these two... um, Or maybe... There's tons of them, but there's two most famous... Or infamous artworks, which was uh, one destroying of a Neolithic urn. It's a, two pictures, him holding a 10,000-year-old pot, basically, and the next picture, it's all smashed on the floor, and it's real. Yeah, he actually did that. And the and other then, one, he painted Coca-Cola on. Yeah, which is kind of, like... That's hmm. good symbolism. I like that Yeah, one. It makes sense. Yeah, they were definitely very, very old. Like, it was not ch- cheap. Like, these are the kinds of pots that they would be in, in museums and But stuff. he bought them, so they're his property, so yeah. he can do whatever he wants. just like, well, bye, crunch. Uh, in 1994, <laughs> he began a series of three books, each released annually. They're really, really neat. So a year after he came back to China. Oh, the black cover book. Yeah, in 1994, uh, there was the first book, the black cover book. They were never publicized, but they were sold on street corners, or to friends, essentially, so, like, passed on. And the money uh, eventually filtered back to Ai Weiwei. In 1995, there was the white cover book, um, and in 1995... Sorry, in 1996, the Grey Cover Book. They were very important magazines for Chinese art and culture at the time, uh, featuring everything from 
art to modern art to poetry and short stories. And you might be asking, what's the difference between art and modern art? Well, get educated. That's the difference. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not going to explain it, so fuck you. If you don't know what modern art is, it's stuff that's not, doesn't really make a lot of sense when you first look at it. That's basically the best way to put it. Art is like, oh, look at Da Vinci. There he is. Um, modern art is like, like that urinal's why upside is there, down. Yeah. <laughs> why is it there's upside down? And it even featured poetry and short stories. It, and really cool artists like Andy Warhol were even publicized in these books. Mm. Andy Warhol is the he's famous pop artist. He did the. Um, I was gonna panels. cover him. I really might cover him still. Yeah, he's a cool guy. He died too young. That sucks. Yeah, uh, famous pop artist. You'll any any of his stuff is super super cool. Uh, these three books were a response to the government's restrictions upon expression following 1989. And I think that's why they were black, white, and gray. Because if you put, like, art book, <laughs> Japanese would be like, mm -mm. Yeah. If you put, like, nothing, would be like, well... To put it the best way, Ai Weiwei had come from a free society to a fully restricted one. So it was like putting the chains back on. And it was kind of weird because he left, uh-oh, you gotta update your viruses. Thanks, Ai Weiwei. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> that's what he... I have that written in. You can double-check it. Check the document. Um, and <laughs> show me the document. Yeah, they were um, interesting because Mao was like for expression denied, and then he left it, and he left the earth. <laughs> I guess <laughs> expression denied. Whee! And then new government came along, and they're like, well, let's not do what Mao did. And then new government part two came along, and they're like, let's do exactly what, what Mao, Mao did. did. And then he was like, I'm free. Wait, it's been two minutes. What happened? Yeah. So, um, it, he began his, uh, the, in 1989, um, the society began, there's a whole bunch of, um, restrictions and stuff that really didn't come into practice until 1991 but a lot of artists were uh, persecuted in there they made a specific type of art essentially that they're like this is only art that you should look at and this is the art that that is that we do not approve of yeah like that kind of stuff and the art, the that art do that's not like mal with a fake mustache on him and they're yeah. like nah -uh. that's not art but mal with like a king's uh, crown they'll be like, all right yeah that's okay yeah uh i we we um Moved to, Ka, I don't know how to say this, sorry, Kao Changdi in northeast Beijing in 1999 and began his fake design, uh, sorry, his first architectural project. Began by, his fake design. By building a, his own studio. After this project, he founded the company Fake Design, which will appear later in Infamy. It's a great name. Dun, 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 yeah. I like that name a lot. Yeah, shortly after finishing his studio, he ran an exhibition out of Beijing titled Uncooperative Attitude in Chinese, but it's more commonly known as Fuck, Fuck Off, off which, which is was the English title. Yeah. So basically, so I love it in China, they're like, hmm, ungood, not good attitude. All right. English. Fuck you. Basically. Do not come in here. They made the same thing, if you think about them. Basically. Yeah. Um, That's what I'm going to do from now on. You block me in traffic? Uncooperative attitude. <laughs> Get out of here. I am displaying uncooperative attitude. In Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> it was an attempt, this whole exhibition was an attempt to bring contemporary art into China, rather than having the artists do art exhibitions in other countries. So there were contemporary artists, obviously, like Ai Weiwei and a few others. But they were basically limited to doing art shows in Germany and uh, France and America kind of thing. 
Never so, allowed to do it in How does he have China? all this money to buy like these Neolithic pots and go to the White House and the Eiffel Tower? He just did a, a ton of art. And he just sold it, I guess? Yeah, he can sell. Like, literally, he sells his art for, like, millions of dollars. He was like, look at this Coca-Cola thing. And then people looked at it, like, ten million times, and he got a bunch of money. Hmm, cool. A lot of his art does, like, traveling exhibits, so it, it appears in this place and then goes to this place. It just appears. It's like a Pokemon, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> look, I mean, we are up here. It's not quite the same as... Use Chinese government. Um, no. No, it's super effective. No, it's not quite the same as uh, what's it, what was I thinking? Uh, Banksy art, mm. which just literally appears everywhere. But yeah. yeah, his stuff does a lot of tours and and is it's it's shown in the Met. Like he's literally just like made an art piece, and it was just like, well, the Met will buy this for you. I mean, from you, <laughs> not for you. Yeah, it's a shitty so, present. Uh, the show, in the show, uh, Uncooperative Attitude, or Fuck Off, Ai Weiwei featured his famous study in perspective, where he, uh, took several pictures, um, of him giving the middle finger to one, the Forbidden City in China, which is a, um, a really, just a government building, and he did one of middle fingering the White House and yeah. the Eiffel Tower, just to, like, ease the pressure off a little bit, and he also released the photos of him smashing the Neolithic urn in this uh, there was a lot of weird stuff in this show, too. Like, there's uh, one dude who just, like, planted grass on himself, and then, like... Oh, yeah, that guy was Like, cool. he just laid down, and he just, like, planted grass on himself. We're gonna do the, the midterms before we we continue on, but... Um, another one, I think there's a dude who literally just, like, did a shit ton of cocaine, and then he's like, look at me, I'm an exhibit! <laughs> <laughs> that kind of shit. <laughs> um, I'm gonna do myth One guy... Work. I think one guy ate a baby fetus for some reason. What? He was like, technically it's not a human, and he's just like eating baby fetuses, and he's like, this is art. And yeah, it was kind of weird. Are you sure? I'm 90% sure there's something about baby fetus eating. You can, you can cross-reference that. We're going to have to right now, because I do not want that fake news. So while Eric's doing that, I'm going to throw in our, our mentions here. We like to say that this podcast is brought to you by... Robinson.k underscore art. Kelsey Robinson's art on Instagram. She's a really great artist who does a lot of stuff. And considering we're talking about an artist right now, she's trying to get her way in the world of doing her own art stuff. She went to uh, Hunting Hills High School, did art there for a few years. Um, most notably, she did AP art and passed with a 4 out of 5 on the um, entire AP art uh, what's the test, essentially? You have to send in your artwork, and they grade it and send it back. I got a 2 out of 5, and I'm really proud of that. I'm really proud of that, too, when Kelsey got a 4. Um, and so they they um, it, they take everywhere from the world. It's a global um, oh, like test. A, hmm. The AP test is a global test. And uh, any school that does it will send in their art to um, someplace in America. I think it was San Francisco this year. Or the year she did, and grade it, and she got a four to five. You can check out the her art on robinson.k underscore art. That's r o b i n s o n dot k underscore art on Instagram. Really cool stuff. And speaking of things that started with r o b, go and check out Rob Vote Eighties. I know I plugged it last time, but it just keeps on getting better and better. Every time I'm on there, there's something cool to read. Like the thing I'm definitely not looking up right now. Because I even go on that site every day. 
This, <laughs> this is true. Um, it's a new Star Wars thing that came out. <laughs> Sunday in October 2017. That's so old. Where's that new stuff, Rob? Well, it's still good. Go look at it. RobVote80s.com. Cool blog, cool stuff with a cool guy. Ooh, Ooh. Gordy Howe. I might actually read that one later. Back to part three. Yeah. So, did you get your uh, baby feeding? I did, and you were wrong. It's a different artist. Oh. Zoo you. No, I didn't say Ai Weiwei did it. Someone else did it in the uh, Never yeah, Sorry. Yeah, it did happen. Yeah. But it wasn't Ai Weiwei. Yeah. That's what I was getting at. Still super weird. Yeah, weird thing. Anyway, part three. Twitter. So, uh, if you guys ever read this, and Eric was just talking to me about it, <clears throat> he was wondering why it was called Twitter. Well, <clears throat> in this entire um, documentary we watched, he says Twitter a lot, and it turns out he says Twitter like Twitter. I've got a little voice clip even just to prove it, because he didn't believe me. Of, of course, my all my internet activity is forbidden, and but uh, I still uh, manage to jump on Twitter, and uh, Twitter is completely uh, shut it off in China. Twitter. Yeah, he just said yeah. Uh, so that was a bit of a spoiler alert. Uh-oh. I wait, wait. Get in the uh-ohs. He's uh, part three. <laughs> Tweeter. We're going to rush through this a little bit and get some stuff done. I was sidetracking a little bit. But on 19th October of... Or, sorry, 19th November of 2005, Ai Weiwei posted his first blog on Sino Weibo, which was, an, um, which was and still is the biggest blogging platform in China. During the next four years, Ai Weiwei and him... Um, Ai Weiwei described it this way himself it turned out he he turned out a steady stream of scathing social commentary criticisms of government policy thoughts on art and architecture and autobiographical writings in 2008 he designed the bird's nest for the olympics the 2008 summer olympics uh in beijing but, but he, later he regretted it for the implication on beijing people were first out of their homes for the construction of the olympics and on top of that after designing the bird's nest he was offered to spot uh, offered a spot to build a public studio yeah. which was a problem that will be discussed very That's soon super sad yeah the entire time frame that he was blogging non-stop um oh sorry um the uh, so during these 4 years he was blogging non-stop and he only stopped during one week, which was a week of the Sichuan earthquake. Not, not Sichuan songs, please. Sichuan, I don't know how to say it. S-I-U-A-N. Sichuan earthquake, we'll say that. Uh, which was the 12th of May, 2008, and it marked a huge step forward in Ai Weiwei's public appearance. Mm -hmm. He was very upset at the lack of transparency over the death toll, and especially at the apparent cover-ups of the schools that were destroyed because of their design. Basically, it reflected bad on China as a whole, so they were like, we're all fine, China is a strong country. Yeah. Ai Weiwei's like, but people are dead. The yeah. families have the right to know. The How many people? They never released the death toll no. to the public. And so he launched a pub uh, campaign online to figure out what the death toll was, investigating the names and birthdays of those who had departed in the schools. Mm -hmm. On the 20th of March 2009, he posted a blog titled Citizens Investigation, stating, To remember the departed, to show concern for life, to take responsibility, and for the potential happiness of the survivors. We are initiating a citizens investigation. We will seek out the names of each departed child, and we will remember them. He and the volunteers that um, basically volunteered online, they just sent an email being like, let's do this. Yeah. Uh, each made their way through the town, uh, the Sichuan of, town of Sichuan, uh, and asked house by house for the names of those who had passed in the schools. 
As of April 14th on 2009, the list of names collected reached 5,835. Which is insane. Yeah, the government never helped them with this list at all. They never had any help from teachers or police officers. No. They had to go to parents and ask the parents themselves who uh, their children, if they never came back, and if they were dead or not. Their birthdays and their names. I think they were a bit more sensitive. Than that. They weren't like, when you child that, <laughs> like, yo, yo, baby, dead. Yeah. The list was installed at his office at Fake Design in Beijing. It's a huge wall covered with just the names, names. and the birthday. Yeah. Uh, the first year anniversary of the earthquake, he and his followers recorded themselves saying just one name, and he put this into a video for remembrance. It was a really cool video. You're gonna see. It's this super long video of of just people saying, you know, they sent in a voice clip of of one name. They just yeah. read it out. Um. He published this uh, online and um, a number of other um, videos, and um, he published a list of names and a number of other articles, sorry, which documented his investigation online on his blog. This led to his blog being shut down by the Chinese government in May of 2009. Very short. That's sad. Yeah. That's he immediately sad. moved to Twitter using the yeah. account at basically, which is still active today, though there have been no tweets from Ai Weiwei since December 31st, 2013. Between 2009 and 2013, Ai Weiwei wrote somewhere between 50,000 and 150,000 tweets, Damn. spending, as he claimed, almost eight hours a day on Twitter or Twitter. This defiance that started with the earthquake led to a battle that would last the next five years. Part 4. Sunflower Seeds. So this is a cool little interlude about the Sunflower Seeds project that he worked on. Uh, in 2010, uh, the story of Ai Weiwei's Sunflower Seeds began. This was an installation project that took years to prepare. Over a hundred million sunflower seeds were handcrafted at a porcelain town and then painted individually. The piece has a great implication on individuality and perspective. Because isn't the story that this town was like going through some kind of economic drought, basically? Uh, basically and Ai Weiwei yeah. hired the, everyone in the town to make like a hundred of these seeds. A uh, hundred million seeds. He was just like, just make seeds until I say stop. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, we make seeds. As long as you give yeah. us the money. Um, and it said that uh, everyone was had jobs again, and there were everybody in the town, like everybody from the children to the, the old grandparents, were involved in making the sunflower seeds. Ai Weiwei also stated that Chairman Mao was always depicted per, um, near the sun or with sunflowers around him to state that he was like a god almost. Mm -hmm. And the symbol was us, and this was a symbol for perseverance through hard times. The exhibition was eventually closed due to the hazardous effects that porcelain dust can have in the human body, but it was open for a little bit in um, London. Cool. Yeah, it's just a giant pit of sunflower seeds and you can walk in and just go around. Part 5. The Battle. Another activist by the name of Tan Zhu Ren was arrested for his activism during the Sichuan earthquake, namely his criticisms of the Chinese government calling for political reform, basically saying that, hey, if you're not going to release the list of names, then maybe we should do something about this. After his arrest, uh, he chose Ai Weiwei to testify at his trial. While Ai Weiwei was heading to the trial, the police broke down his door in the middle of the night. Yeah. And he was at a, ho at a, um, uh, what's it called? a hotel. Mm -hmm. uh, there's an audio recording of them breaking down the door, and then an officer hitting Ai Weiwei, and you can hear it, and you can you can hear what's he going says, on. He says, you hit me, why you hit me? Why yeah. would you hit me? Yeah, and such things like that. Well, the officer states, nobody mm -hmm. saw me hit you, prove it. Uh, shortly after the incident, he left for Munich, Germany, for his Munich show. He experienced migraines during his trip to Germany, and eventually went to a doctor in Germany because the pain was so intense. Because this asshole. Yeah. The doctor found swelling in his head that matched the hit on his head from the taunting officer. 
Um, before the Munich show, he was hospitalized, and he tweeted his condition nonstop. And he even taunted the officer himself by posting, You want proof? Here's your proof. With a picture of his blood bag. And his, after his condition had approved, he prepared for the Munich show. By a blood bag, he means like his IV. Yeah, yeah. The show, as Ai Weiwei put it, was his most ambitious show. The opener was a piece of 9,000 backpacks installed on the outside wall with the message on them, She lived happily on this earth, earth. for seven years. Don't you dare. <laughs> Which was a... Brendan did a typo that I will not leave. Uh, she lived happily on this ear for seven years. No. So sad. That is the worst way... I'm sorry. It's not... We're typing. Which was a quote from one of his parents, uh, one of the parents, not his parents, of the uh, Sichuan earthquake. After the Munich show in 2010, the heat of Ai Weiwei controversy really began. What's even up? As mentioned earlier, he was offered a plot to build a public workspace. And right around when it was finished, Ai Weiwei received a letter that stated the building was built illegally. Yeah. A demolition notice was ordered for two months from the date the letter was received. He decided to plan a party for the demolition. In November 2010, he was placed under house arrest in hopes of stopping the party, though its efforts in vain. Uh, the River Crab Party went on, and uh, even though Ai Weiwei didn't appear, and its notice being delivered on, um, basically, people from Twitter just came to enjoy the River Crab Party. Yeah, man. Um, the reason for River Crab, so basically they just cooked a bunch of River Crabs, and it's it's very funny because it's um, a very specific chosen party um, because it sounded similar to the party slogan of Harmony. So the words River Crab and Harmony in Chinese sounded very similar. <laughs> Uh, he was then denied access to leave the country right after this, which was likely to stop him from attending the Nobel Prize ceremony, where contemporary Lu Jiabao was awarded the Peace Prize. And he was super happy for him, too. Yeah, he was. Very, like, very happy. Lu Jiabao was a guy who was um, arrested for... Um, political activism. Political activism, and during the earthquake and stuff, and then, obviously, Nobel Peace Prize was awarded to him. And, was, yeah. Yeah. Um, so... In January 2011, um, the demolition of his studio came about, and he filmed and celebrated it in defiance. Yeah, take that, everyone else. Yeah. April 3rd, 2011, Ai Weiwei unexpectedly disappeared, though. The first incident Whoa. occurred March 31st, uh, 2011, and I did extensive research on this because it's not very covered. Like, it's basically been, um, even after six years, it's been, uh, sorry, it's not six years, seven years. It's been... Um, What's it, what's the word? Confis confidential? Confidential. Inf information? Yeah, it's all really weird stuff that's not really out there. So the first incident occurred March 31st, 2011, where his entire team was ID'd by Beijing police. April 1st, the police returned to check the IDs again, which was uh, basically both times were illegal actions of checking the IDs due to the law. Um, and I, we, we mentioned this, stating Article 15 of the People's Identity Card Act. He asked the police to to bring out the Identity Card Act and, and say why they were IDing him. There are four principles on which the police were allowed to ask for identification cards, and none of which apply to the per situation. No. So one, if the person in question has broken the law. Ai Weiwei hadn't broken the law, no one in there had broken the law. Two, if it was at a check stop. There was no check stop in his house. Does it make any sense why there would be? <laughs> Three. Right outside the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> if there was a serious threat to public safety. Which art? Not really. That's there's that. yeah, they were literally sitting there playing with cats. And four, it's mentioned <laughs> if there's another circumstance. 
Um, Which basically just their loophole to do whatever the fuck they yeah. want. Yeah, and Ai Weiwei stated these, and the police was returned. They were like, "It's the other circumstance." And then he's like, "What other circumstance?" And they're like, "Bye, the other one." Yeah, <laughs> please leave. And then they left. And April third, while Ai Weiwei was preparing to leave to be- uh, leave Beijing, he was detained along with his driver. For 81 days, he lived in a cell that was about 60 centimeters by 3.6 meters. So he had like a a four meter long. It's very sh- shallow from what it is. And it's just his own description. He said it was about the size of a, uh, a table. Oh, okay. Like a dinner table. Like a pretty large dinner table. Must have. Um, but yeah, uh, that, that's all according to Ai Weiwei. Uh, he also said that he was tortured every day and was told that he would serve a 10-year sentence for what he did. And yet, they never mentioned what he had done at all. Ai Weiwei said that every day he walked for five hours just to keep himself occupied. Wow. After his arrest, Ai Weiwei's assistant, accountant, and stockholder manager were detained. So somewhere between his release and his arrest, they were detained. June 22nd, 2011, Ai Weiwei was released on bail with charges of tax evasion. So they finally released the um, the tax evasion. They're basically after the, he'd been arrested for a long time. They're like, oh yeah, he was evading taxes, which is very false. unlawful and, and even false. It's Didn't to arrest per someone before a trial for eighty-one days and to torture them and for tax evasion. Yeah. Exactly. June twenty-seventh, two thousand eleven, they issued a penalty of twelve million two hundred six thousand two hundred ninety-nine point twenty-seven yen, or roughly one million eight hundred forty-two thousand six hundred eighty-three dollars and seventy-two cents in American. Ai Weiwei asked his mother if they could offer his house for collateral, and she agreed. However, the Federal Tax Bureau declined the offer, stating that it was against protocol, which it was not I against protocol. I began receiving loans from his followers on Twitter, where he averaged about 300 loners a day. <laughs> which is nuts. That sounds like the other way. Yeah. 300 loners? No. <laughs> <laughs> They, they were very legal with the affairs. Um, basically writing down the names, their numbers, the accounts, they everything. Had to be, even, even if it was, was just someone being day. like, I brought two yen. They were like, that's great, awesome. They write it down and then they like, made sure they reimbursed everything. if they did, China would be like, mm, tax evasion. Yeah. And on November 13th, 2011, they stopped receiving loans altogether. All loans were paid off with time. So like the entire, um, what was it, 12 million yen was all paid off. Over the next year, a series of events unfolded that would make a mockery of the legal system in China. Ai Weiwei's wife was the legal representative of fake, um, the and such would should have been charged, not Ai Weiwei. But the court found that Ai Weiwei was still a representative, even though he wasn't a representative. So <laughs> essentially, they're like fake, um, fake, fake architectural um, was doing tax evasion yeah and so they're like i weigh is the figure is the the head of this we gotta arrest him and then they're like well since you know 2008 my wife has been the head of this company and they're like "Mm, mm, mm." she's not she's just a woman how could she do that Uh, obviously you're the real one and you're just lying to us yeah yeah so fight me uh they what they've done is received records from fake and uh, no lawyers were permitted from viewing them. So they seized all the records of their taxes and, and all their tax accounts, their outgoing money, like, not outgoing money, that's a horrible way of saying it, their expenditures, their income and everything like that. Yes. Uh, when he, after he was arrested, they just broke down the door to his, his office and just stole all those papers. And no lawyers were um, permitted to view them at any time. 
Which is not Which is, legally how that works. Yeah, it's you not legal. You can't just do that, even yeah. in China. The law was also broken when the police had come in and arrested Ai Weiwei and his documents. And he didn't arrest the documents. That's a problem. <laughs> way of saying that. arrested document. They detained the documents. And as the tax bureau are, and it's mentioned, the tax bureau and the police are separate entities and are not permitted to interfere with one another. So the police aren't allowed to withhold information. It's like um, the FBI withholding yeah. information from the... Um, the Slavic what's Union? The, no, no. The tax evasion. <laughs> I don't remember what it's... What the, the Federal Tax Bureau. Uh, the FTB. You know, they're not allowed to withhold information from the IRS, other. you mean? Yeah, or whatever. International Revenue Service? Yeah, it's whatever. Uh, the Federal Tax Bureau is another one that exists. Uh, so there are a ton of other legal affairs, too many to mention, in this document. Yeah. But if you want to learn more, you can check out the documentary released on the events, which is for free on iTunes, uh, YouTube. I learned quite a bit, and um, I am a dullard, so you'll learn a lot. It's, it's called Ai Weiwei's Appeal, and it's, it's uh, yen sign 15... <laughs> Uh, comma two hundred twenty comma nine ten fifteen million two hundred twenty thousand nine hundred ten point fifty, and one of his uh, the most astonishing events that the government went so far as to redirect bus routes because of the trial to make yeah. sure that I couldn't get to the trial on time. So essentially, he was Jesus. called to the trial after extensive amounts of him trying to get to the into the trial itself, and they're like, "Well, you can show up if you can get there." And all, all his rides were supposed to arrive there at this certain time, and he had to get there, and it was on the other side of the town. All the bus routes were redirected in insane. all of China to get, so he couldn't possibly get there in time. And the taxis were like not allowed to pick him up and stuff like that. And undercover cops were placed in front of the building, and no waiting was permitted at the time. So lawyers and witnesses on Ai Weiwei's side could not convene beforehand, so they couldn't meet up with each other and make sure everyone was there. And so there's a video you can see of them waiting outside, and they're all like, we're waiting for a friend, and they're like, you need to come inside right now. And they're like, well, the court doesn't start until 9 o'clock, and it's 8.55. We have five minutes to get inside. And they're like, you are uh, obstructing the court. You need to get inside right now. So we're waiting for a friend. You know, it just does that over and over again. It's crazy. And um, basically, the, in the end, uh, the courts found all charges were fit, despite the overwhelming evidence against the fact. The fine was not waived, and Ai Weiwei was not permitted to leave Beijing until 2015. Upon being granted access to leave, he moved to Berlin, Germany, and has been traveling extensively ever since. So, I didn't cover as much as I could have on the um, arrest, but if you are interested, there's a ton of details. It's very long, but you can watch the uh, Ai Weiwei's appeal, 15,220,910 yen. Do we want to go into part six? It's like one sentence. Yeah, just, just mention it out, you know. Part six, epilogue. Ever since Ai Weiwei moved to Germany, he has been traveling and working on his own art projects. His story continues, and one of his most recent projects has been a collection of portraits of refugees that he sold online. They're very expensive, but they're very neat portraits. Yeah, they would be. Yeah. If you go into the document, we have linked in the sources all the uh, YouTubes, the Nefersari film that's linked to um, Alison Clayman, and it's uh, Ai Weiwei's Appeal. You can f find the link on our uh document it'll take you right to the youtube we used wikipedia uh to find some of this stuff not all of it yeah shut your mouth everyone iwayway.com was also used um there's a couple exhibitions about sunflower seeds and a sunflower seeds video on youtube yeah. these documentaries are very extensive and very long well and that thus ends friends, the story this. of iwayway yeah i hope you learned something i hope you didn't find this insanely boring which i know you didn't yeah, i hope because so. it was quite good
Yeah, I tried. To get, that's why I tried to cut down a little bit of the um, the boring stuff on the. I know when affairs. you proposed this to me, I was like, "Are this guy?" Eh. He's a nut. The documentary, and I was like, "Yo, pinch." Yeah, the documentary doesn't. The never sorry doesn't get into um, his appeal and all. It ends right before he gets arrested because that's when essentially all his documentary crews weren't allowed to follow him anymore. But yeah, the arrest is just an insane mockery of the system. There's videos from there. Well, they weren't allowed to take video into the courtroom, which was also illegal. They should have been able to do that. Uh, but they snuck um, recorders in, and that you can just hear these arguments going on, being like, "Well, you have to. Pre- you haven't presented your evidence." And them being like, "We have no evidence pr- to present because you're detaining it from us." And they're like, "That's not our fault. You have to get your evidence." And, like it's just that over and over again. That's it's so nuts. Dumb. Yeah, and they had one of the best lawyers. Um, Representing him and everything, and no, <laughs> and, and just it was nuts to to watch it. It's it's something you you have to turn on in the on the side sort of because it's so yeah. dense. But Never Sorry is the complete opposite. It's a, it's a totally entertaining documentary. Hope you guys enjoyed learning about Ai Weiwei, and we have a ton in store for you next episode. Yeah, get excited, Woo! Cover Girl. Put the bass in your walk. It's going to be lit, family yeah. squad. So we're talking about uh, someone who is a little bit uh, we haven't done before. I'm excited. She's a girl. That's what you need to know. Oh, right. You, we, we changed it around. Right, you're doing another yeah, yeah. one after this. Two in a row for old Brendan. What, did you want to do a different one? No, go hard. I, you, I didn't have any mention of it before, so. Oh, Are wait. you? All right, the next the next uh, episode is um, a girl, and she... Uh, it's a girl. She does a lot on the internet. And all over the internet. She And oh. on the TV. Every mom's oh. TV is permanently tuned oh, yeah. to this channel. I and it's not Oprah. I believe it's Oprah. Spoiler alert. Actually, I call her Oprah. Oh, I guess my. she's done so much for us. <laughs> Thank you. On that note. Yeah. All right, guys. Enjoy. You can check us out on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Google Play, or any RSS feed. And you can also get our documents by just messaging us, finding us on Facebook or Twitter for any updates. And we are out of here. Lol, bye. Goodbye. I will wait, wait, wait.